0: Exceeding Expectations, Episode 59. Welcome to another edition of the podcast where we help to give you ways to amaze your customers, to give them amazing experiences, which ends up in you getting more testimonials, better testimonials, more reviews, referrals, recommendations, rebookings, and, and benefits to your reputation far exceed the effort that you have to put in in order to to get all this and the work actually becomes far more enjoyable as well this week's episode is with mike jazoshek and he's an accountant and we're going to hear a lot about he's going to dispel many of the myths around accounting if you do like this show please do leave a review for us on itunes maybe share the episode with anyone who you feel may get some some real value from this hope you enjoy this week's episode So today's edition of Exceeding Expectations, my guest is Mike Jazoshek. How you doing, Mike? I'm doing great. How you doing? I'm very well, thank you. And we find you in Wisconsin. How's the weather in Wisconsin today?
1: The weather in Wisconsin is beautiful right now. So you don't say that too often in Wisconsin. We have uh, um, fall and spring are really nice. It's, it's just a good time to be in Wisconsin. Summer is a little bit hot and, and winters are brutal, but right now we're in our fall season, so it's it's really nice weather.
0: And so, Mike, so you're in um, you're an accountant. Is that how long have you been uh, involved in doing that that sort of thing?
1: Yeah, so you know I've been an accountant for quite some time, but uh, I started an accounting firm about seven years ago now. Um, prior to that I was on the accounting side in, in many different business ventures and a couple companies I owned and sold um, so I was on the accounting side of those uh, but seven mm-hmm. years ago I went full-time into just focusing on you know that accounting piece and helping
0: other small business owners and, and so what was it that got you into it in the first place
1: you know I, I started running businesses at a, at a pretty young age so I was running businesses in high school and I as, as many business owners are, you never know kind of when that's going to fall off. And so being young, I said, well, I, th- I still have to do this school thing just in case things don't work out. I have a backup plan. And so I went to school and I, I just really enjoyed kind of the financial side of things, you know, even at a younger age. And so when I went to school, I was like, you know, I think I'm going to make this this change into uh, focus on accounting. And so when I did that, uh, as I was kind of still running businesses on the side, I started to get more in depth into those businesses and on the finance side of those businesses. And so that's Mm -hmm. when I said, you know, I think, you know, where I want to take future ventures and things like that is into this accounting and and tax side as, as my main kind of service offering.
0: And has it been what you expected or has it been quite different?
1: That's a, that's a good question. Uh, so you know, typically, a lot of people take this approach when they're when they're an accountant. They they work for uh, a big public accounting firm, and then they they go public or they go to a private company, and they just everyone kind of takes the same um, steps, if you if you will, in in kind of their career. And I, I did a little different approach. So I started out owning a business, uh, and then opened up an accounting firm with no prior experience being in an accounting firm. So I always say mm-hmm. that's kind of a blessing and, uh, and and it hurt me as well. So a blessing is, is that I don't bring in a lot of that baggage and things that people don't like about working in public accounting. I didn't bring that mm-hmm. along with me because I didn't have that. Uh, but the downside mm-hmm. was, is I had to learn a lot. <laughs> so I didn't mm-hmm. know, you know, what client expectations were. I knew You know, what I kind of wanted as a client and as a business owner, but I didn't know how that correlated to all business owners. So it was a, it was a really big learning experience, um, initially trying to understand, you know, how those public accounting firms work. But I think that that's still kind of the beauty about it. So it's, it's been a great ride. It's been, it's been a lot of fun, um, especially now that we're more developed and we have had those things under our belt where we, where we know how we want our firm to be. But again, I call it kind of a blessing in disguise is that, We didn't have to bring in that that traditional idea of what accounting looks like for a business. We didn't have that and I didn't bring that in, um, you know, how accounting firms typically work. Um, We created our own, we created something new, and it's just a much more innovative way to do things that way.
0: And, And so therefore, because from the sounds of things you had quite a different approach, were any of your clients quite surprised the way you were doing things differently to how other people had been doing things for them?
1: Yeah, you know, I I, I think uh, well, seven years ago when we started the firm, it was it was completely digital, completely remote. Um, all of our clients hmm. were scattered around, you know, the United States, and we had employees scattered around, and and that was you know nowadays you hear that a lot. Back seven years ago, that was. You know, extremely not common, and even now it's still probably not as common as it should be. Uh, but even then, it was mm-hmm. even more uncommon. And so, um, a lot of our initial clients were in that kind of younger generation, very tech savvy people that, uh, you know, had that mindset where, yeah, my account—I don't need to go see my accountant every time I need something. I can actually work digitally with them. So, um, our clients were. I th- I think looking for a solution like that but it, there just wasn't much available out there so it was it was kind of a, a new age to that digital accounting
0: and and now I because there's a lot more people using sort of online platforms you know such as zero and, and whatever is that something that um that you mostly do
1: Yeah, yeah, absolutely. So uh, it was kind of a funny story. In the U.S., there's a a software called QuickBooks, and that's pretty much what everybody uses. And we started using that. It's cloud-based. And when we started our firm, we started using QuickBooks. And uh, we, we just didn't really enjoy the software. And we had a client come to us that was already using Xero. And at that time, Xero was brand new to the U.S. And so we we adapted and we're like, wow, this, this is awesome. And so Xero, mm-hmm. just like QuickBooks, is also a cloud-based software. And that was our mm-hmm. key. We needed to find a software that we could run our company's books that was 100% cloud-based because our clients would be located everywhere. So we needed something that they were able to access whenever and wherever they might be that we could also access at the same time, and so we've been about in a ninety percent zero firm since almost the beginning. Um, and yeah, that's the, the, the cloud software has been a huge, um, you know, driver to to what we
0: do. So, are your clients are they only using sort of on like a cloud software, or are they some that still prefer the kind of traditional methods?
1: One of our requirements is that it's gotta be cloud based. So there's there's ways you can work around. If someone has a desktop program or something like that, you can obviously, you know, buy software where you can access their computer. But it's it's much more clunky. And so one of our requirements we set off the bat is that we need our clients to be in the digital space. We need our clients to be cloud-based. Um, and if, if if they can't adapt to that, then there's probably a firm that's going to be a better fit because everything that we do is cloud-based and virtual. So um, you know, that's kind of one of the requirements that we have.
0: So for anyone who, who's listening, who may maybe you know, they, they have their own business and they've never yet migrated towards Um, You know, cloud uh, cloud accounting. What would you say to them? Why should they consider it? Why is it better than the methods? You know, the traditional methods that have been used in the past.
1: Yeah, you know, the biggest thing is that. You can access it anywhere, anytime, and it's, it's, it's a live instance. Everyone's looking at the same thing. You can share it with your accountant. You can share it with financial advisors. You can share it with other team members that might need access to the financials. Um, so that's you know, that's the biggest thing about the accounting software is the ability to use it, look at stuff wherever it is, and everything is live. There's no having mm. to download backups. There's no having to go back and look at certain, um, you know, certain versions that you had in the past. You don't have to continue to download everything, and it's just continuing to evolve. A lot mm. of people stick on a desktop platform because you know the cloud accounting software oftentimes isn't robust in itself. Uh, but the beautiful mm. thing about that is that there's other add-on softwares. All these softwares kind of are able to connect and talk to each other. That if you're looking Mm -hmm. for functionality that doesn't come standard in a cloud-based package, there's likely an add-on partner that is able to provide you um, that same, you know, what you're looking to what you're looking to do that you can do on the on the desktop version. So, it, it just creates collaboration is just huge. Being able to collaborate um, and, and work wherever you are, and you know, we always encourage people to say, as you're looking at this, as the way things are changing and, and technology is becoming so big, that ability to work wherever, and wherever, whenever, and wherever you are. Is huge in this cloud accounting and, and bringing your accounting to the cloud is one important step to kind of make that change in your business.
0: And are you aware of any sort of statistics to say how many people are now using like cloud based software and how many are, are, are not? I don't
1: have any, you know, like actual statistics. Um, you know, if I had to throw a guess out there, you would see more and more these days of people moving to the cloud. But I would say, you know, maybe 60% are in the cloud, 40% are on a desktop type software. But I, there's no validity into that kind of stat, So, I, I, you know, don't yeah. back me up on that. But, you know, it is something that is. Um, really catching on and people are starting to move to it. Um, but there is a ton of businesses out there that are still stuck in, in, in kind of that traditional way of doing things, just waiting mm. till they have to make that change. Um, but I mm. think you see a lot of these desktop softwares, they're you know, if if it's a desktop software, they're creating online platforms. They're creating cloud based platforms. So eventually I think you're gonna see a lot of these software companies almost forcing their customers into the cloud because they know that's where the movement's going to be, and it's hard mm. to maintain a software that's on a desktop as well as a cloud. That's two different, very different pieces of software, and it's just hard to maintain mm. that when you have clients spread out. So I think you're going to start to see almost the software companies, not just accountants and, and other you know vendors, but the software companies almost forcing people in that direction.
0: Do you think there's some reluctance by some people to, to take the step to cloud-based um, accounting because of fears of hacking and, and so on?
1: Yeah, no, I, I think that, that that that's definitely a case. Um, and, you know, what I always say is that, you know, clients come to us, they ask us about security and things like that. And the companies that are running these cloud-based software, are they are massive, massive companies that likely your data is actually more secure on something like a cloud-based platform then it might be on something that's on, on your personal computer that can be corrupted it can be hacked into in itself um, and so yeah that that's always an issue especially for you know businesses that are kind of stuck in their in the in the older ways of doing things or don't want to make that change that's kind of the one reason that they kind of lean back on and you know I, I don't know if they really believe that the, that there is no security in the cloud-based software or if that's just kind of their reason for not making, wanting to make the change, um, but yeah, mm. you know that, that's definitely an issue that I see uh, people arrive, you
0: know, bring up. Mm. Before we started recording, you were telling me a couple of stories, and there was one about the um, a client who saw a massive payment to the IRS come through. Do you want to tell us about that?
1: Yeah, so it was kind of funny. It was a a client that we weren't doing any kind of tax work for. We were just doing their financials, bookkeeping, that type of stuff. And I saw a big payment come through to the government, and I said, you know, hit the client up and said, what was that for? And he said, well, that was, you know, a tax payment. And, you know, Hmm. the first thing I said was, um, you know, what kind of tax strategies have you implemented? And we said, oh, you know, the basics. And I said, that size of payment, there are so many different tax saving strategies that are available and mm. you know I, we we come into this issue all the time and that, and that's a lot of times when we're helping clients is we're introducing tax strategies that they've never heard of and it's tax strategies that we talk about with all of our clients but I think the big thing comes into it is that these tax strategies one can be sometimes hard to explain two Oftentimes, they're hard to implement. Now, not all of them are hard to explain or hard to implement, but a lot of times, higher-end tax strategies are hard to explain, are hard to implement. And you know what we see is many preparers or many accountants, they don't want to go through the hassle of that, of trying to explain mm. this to them, trying to get their client on board to these tax savings available. So they just mm. resort to kind of not introducing it to them um, or fear mm. of that the client's going to say – I'm not interested in that, and then they might look at the account differently. But the point being is that there are so many different strategies out there available to small business owners of all sizes, whether you're very big or very small. Uh, No matter where you're located, there's going to be tax strategies that you can implement. And it's just getting that mindset with business owners that. You don't have to be extremely wealthy to get tax savings. Um, They're available to everybody, and it's just kind of finding out a way to learn about those tax strategies. So, you know, that was one client that we had – we were able to cut his tax bill in half the next year. Now, that payment in that year, that was already filed. And so we could have implemented those tax savings for that big payment that went out, but the year was already over. So it was too late to Mm. implement something like that, but it's just, you know, the idea of being proactive. Um, Mm. we look at tax, you know, a lot of people look at taxes and and they think, well, taxes are something that you file at the end of the year and that's what Mm. tax is. And it's, 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 our goal is to change the mindset of a business owner and say, taxes aren't just tax filings we call tax filings is sending information to the governments. Uh, That's what a tax filing is. But where Mm -hmm. real tax work is done is in the off-season. When you're implementing these strategies so that when you go ahead and file those taxes at the year-end or whenever you might file your taxes, you're filing that information and you already have the savings in place prior to that because you implemented them ahead of time. And so that's just the idea is is work – reinforcing with clients the idea of tax planning, preparing mm-hmm. for tax savings, instead of just always looking backwards and just doing tax filing, where it's just information reporting. There's no tax savings available or very little strategies you can implement at that time because it's the, the the period is already over.
0: Are there, to your knowledge, any... I mean, it, so in my I don't know much about the accounting world. And so I, I would have presumed that every business would have an accountant. Is that the case? Or do some businesses think they can do it without the need of an accountant?
1: There's a lot of business out there that that, that don't have accountants. Um, and, and it's the idea of is that they, they feel that they can do it themselves internally. And a lot of times that is the case. You know, if someone has that background where they've, um, you know, have had experience with either accounting, bookkeeping or tax filings, it's definitely something that can be done themselves. Um, so, mm. you know, there, there's, I, I would say, of, of many businesses out there are doing their bookkeeping mm. themselves. Not necessarily taxes all the time, but some are often doing their taxes themselves. And it's mm. just, um, you know, kind of that idea that, that um, you know, that they think it's something that might be fairly easy to do. And what we always tell clients are, is that when we look at bookkeeping, It's easy to us because we're experts in it. Uh, But to them, it might not be so easy. You know, most clients that come to us that are doing their own bookkeeping or doing their own taxes, on the bookkeeping side, we're finding errors in it to be fixed. On the tax side, we're we're finding strategies that aren't being implemented that could be to, to provide more savings. And so it's just having that professional do it. And, you know, the third thing is that as these clients are spending time on this bookkeeping, which is oftentimes something that they might not be, you know, very experienced in, or if they are, Mm -hmm. their time can be spent doing much better things within that business. You know, Mm -hmm. I didn't start an accounting firm to do the marketing for that accounting firm, Um, you know, and so that's kind of the keys is is we encourage clients to focus on the things that's going to make their business grow, going to get their business to where it wants to be, and those items Mm -hmm. that they can, uh, you know, offload on their plate or take off their plate that can be ran by some a professional for probably cheaper and maybe even and and provide a better output those are things that that should be um, let go so that you can take spend most of your time to expand your business and and really get your business to where it wants to be
0: and and you you mentioned a few things that are sort of you know commonly misunderstood issues i mean that was the one you just talked about a bookkeeping isn't so necessary and another one you were talking about tax savings aren't only for the rich
1: yeah yeah in, in the bookkeeping isn't necessary there's a lot of clients that that their bookkeeping is basically once a year so mm-hmm. they, they know okay we have to file a tax return and so they'll gather all of their bookkeeping all of their transactions all their data right before that tax filing put it all together and then file their taxes and then not touch it again till next year, and that's you mm-hmm. know really you know one problem that we see is that bookkeeping isn't just for tax purposes. Bookkeeping mm-hmm. is an idea of where you can see financials and see how your business is performing and adjust from it. Um, so mm-hmm. we look at you take your bookkeeping. That's that's all prior data. So if we do bookkeeping for last month, that's prior data. But we can take that prior data. And use it to our advantage, and implement strategies. Whether that's a marketing strategy, or if we did a marketing strategy, we can see how did that strategy do. You know, how did was it good? Should we do it again? Where people that aren't doing their bookkeeping and aren't able to see accurate financials, they're running their business off of a bank account, and it's really, really hard to see how your business is actually performing, and make changes and adjustments to improve your business. When you're just doing it off of a bank account, you don't know really in depth of where your money's going. You don't know where you could maybe cut costs, and that plays in very well to that tax savings are only for the rich. Mm. So many people we talk to are, you know, they say, "Well, I don't make much money. There's no tax. Yeah, there's there's no taxes I can save." And that's again very false. Um, Mm. Now, the rich might have. More tax saving opportunities available. There might be more strategies available to them because a lot of tax strategies take a lot of funds in order to implement. Uh, But that doesn't mean that there's nothing for people that aren't rich or or are making less money. So, you know, a client that's just starting out, there's a strategy that we can implement for them to save on taxes. For clients that have been in business and are just raking in um, sales and, and, and profit, there's a lot of strategies we can implement for them, too. So, you know, our thought process is strategies are not just for the rich. They're strategies that the rich are using that the startups can be also using the same exact strategy.
0: Do, are there any situations where you have clients who are operating internationally, you know, and a few other countries around the world, where you would then need to know something about other countries' tax regulations, or is that not the case?
1: Yeah, that happens a lot. Um, and, and, you know, generally, so what in, in the U.S. that we call accounting firms, there's always the big four. And the big four mm-hmm. are firms that are located across, you know, across the world. In every country, there's a big four office, and there's four kind of main accounting firms. Um, and those are the companies, depending on size, you know, we always recommend if you're a pretty large company, that have businesses in various different countries, you're going to want to find a firm that has experience in multiple different countries. And so, you know, in Europe, it might not be as big of a deal because the, they, the countries they're working with, many of them, and they're, and they're more closer proximity. Um, mm-hmm. But in the U.S., it's you know the U.S. law is really hard, and it's hard for us to know, laws in other countries. And so for a firm our size, you know, we're relatively small. We have international clients. And for mm. those international clients, we manage their U.S. operations. So we'll manage their U.S. tax, their U.S. bookkeeping, the operations that happen for the company located in the U.S. But then we mm. always recommend have someone that's local to you or that is understand your home tax law that's able to manage the core company that's being operated and maybe structured in whatever country they may be in.
0: Mm. There was another story you were talking about about clients receiving financials and having no idea what they mean.
1: Yeah, so, you know, uh, a lot of um, clients are even working with accountants or doing the bookkeeping themselves. They see Mm. financials, they see an income statement, they see a balance sheet, they see these financials, but they, they, they don't understand exactly what they mean. They see numbers on paper. And so what we've implemented is a way to help unfold those for clients and say, here's your financials. We're going to send you the financials so that you can view them. But along with that financials, we're going to include a video where we're walking you through a screen share video. We're walking you through all those financials to help you understand what these numbers mean. Um, if we see a, 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 an expense account or an income or something fluctuate dramatically, we're going to point that out and say, hey, you might want to check into this. Sales doubled or sales, you know, were cut in half. Is that normal? Is there something that can be done to, um, To change that, is there, you know, or or an an expense? An expense doubled this month, Um, or expenses are continually rising in this advertising category or this legal category. Um, Is there something we can look into there? So it's taking those numbers and bringing them to real life and saying, numbers are good and they tell us a lot of information, but we have to go deeper. We have to do a comparison of those numbers and we have to see trends that are happening. And take that information to tell a story. So we're telling a mm. story about what's going on with the business. Legal mm. expenses could be increasing 10% every month, but the you know what they're actually needing legal help with is staying the same. And so then it's like, okay, let's look into why that's happening. Let's see if maybe we're being double-billed. Let's see if maybe you know whatever is causing the issue, it's looking at trends and seeing if we can explain them. And if we can't explain them, that we need to change something, or mm-hmm. you know, a lot of clients in that same situation. We had a software, um, you know, a software expense category, and we're, we're running through this video, showing, okay, client, here is you know, your software is is again continually to increase, and they said, well, let, let's look into that software, let's see what it is, and so we we drill down into it, and we see seven software packages that they're not even using and haven't used for over a year, but they're paying a monthly subscription for them. And that's the key is, is finding things like that because we can cancel those and we can save you know, hundreds of dollars fairly, fairly quickly by, by cutting something out that we're not even using anymore. So, you know, the idea behind it is that when we, when we're looking at our clients, how can we take something that can be confusing, um, whether it's financials or taxes, how can we take something that's confusing, break it down and show the client the story that's within those financials, so that they can again help their business succeed, take their business to where they want to be, and really kind of expand. Without that financial knowledge or that that breakdown of it, they might just be looking at these numbers and say, oh, we had a profit this month, sounds good, and the paper goes away. But there's other Mm -hmm. things that were hidden inside there that could have really assisted them in, in some other area of their business.
0: So are you always sort of looking for ways to to do things that the client wasn't necessarily expecting and is that a way how you differentiate yourselves from competitors?
1: Yeah, yeah, exactly. So, you know, th- there's kind of two two approaches you can do. You can just be the person that's that's sitting in history. So, your mm-hmm. tax season comes, you're filing a tax return, and you don't mm-hmm. file do anything tax-wise until you file that next tax return. Financials can come, you can just send them over to the client every month and and move on. And that's an easy way. And we've done that. We've been there before. But we sat mm. back and said, there's something missing from this piece. You know, just filing a tax return just doesn't seem enough. You know, the, the clients mm. were having to tell them how much tax they have to pay and it hurts. Or mm. their business is continually losing money or their profits continuing to go down. And we're not telling them why, or we're not at least giving them insights and what might be doing it. And that's when we made a change. We said, we got to do this differently. You know, we can't just be here being a compliance house for our clients. We can't just file tax returns and have accurate bookkeeping. We need to take that step further. And how can we help them live their dream, grow their business, get to where they want to be, see tax savings? How can we be proactive in everything that we do to help our clients along this business journey? You know, we're entrepreneurs ourselves. We're business owners ourselves. And we understand mm. that this, it's it's tough. It's 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 not mm. an easy thing. Uh, but there's things that I've learned through the various business ventures, and, and our employees have learned through their various careers that can be that we can give to the client and help them along that journey, so that that experience can be so much better for them. So yeah, that that, that that's a big differentiator for us is that we're very proactive. Our goal is you know if our clients are not succeeding, are not successful. We're not successful, and, and, and we take that to heart. is something that we really want to help our clients along with their growth and not just be a compliance house. Again, not just being a compliance house. that All we do is prepare financials that are, that are accurate, which is very important, and file a tax return, which is very important, but going above and beyond and taking that next step for growth.
0: And how have clients been reacting to that? Because I guess they're, they're not used to that kind of uh, service from an accountant.
1: Yeah, you know, it, it, it's something that they, they oftentimes are a little bit shocked. You know, uh, when we started doing the video things with financials, we had clients you know, reply back immediately like, that was awesome. You know how can I do that? How can I have that every time? And and so it's things like that where we say. Well, we are doing it every time because we notice it's something that you need, something that you want, and so clients love it. They're able to, you know, they they look at us as not just someone that does their compliance work, someone that keeps them out of jail, but instead mm-hmm. someone that keeps them out of jail. But we're also helping them grow and live their dreams. And so, uh, you know, we, we've had. Uh, a lot of clients come to us just, you know, really liking that idea of of taking that next step further.
0: Mm. And so, therefore, I would imagine you you'd get quite a lot of referrals because of that approach.
1: Yeah, yeah, absolutely. You know, it's it, it's kind of that mindset is that if you're happy with what you w- with a service provider, you're mm. obviously going to tell your friends and family and the people that you love. You're going to tell them, hey. This is where you got to go. So, you know, we've uh, much of our growth, our firm's been around for seven years and much of our growth has been strictly from that, that idea of past, you know, other clients referring like-minded business owners to us. And, you know, mm. that, that's great. And, you know, a lot of our other growth has come from how can we provide value to clients without actually maybe being their client yet? So how can we provide value to a future client? That they're going to say, hey, this is a company that we got to work with. This is someone that we need to work with because of, look at all this stuff they have given me. I wonder what their clients see because the, the, there's stuff that they're not giving us yet. And so that's, that's been our other kind of success for, for growth.
0: Hmm. We had a, a guy on an earlier episode of this podcast, um, I forget, about 20 or 30 episodes ago, called Kirk Bowman who is very big on banging a drum about value based pricing. And he's, I think, I believe he works with a lot of accountants. Is that something that, um, that you guys do?
1: Yeah. So, um, when we started our firm, we didn't want to be stuck to the hour. And so we've never done hourly work unless it's a very rare occasion on a project we've never done before or something like that. We'll do hourly work, but Mm -hmm. you know, value billing is huge. Um, I would say we're more of a, a fixed or flat pricing model and mm-hmm. not as much value. And I would love to get to more of a value-placed model. It's a tough transition. Mm-hmm. Um, so mm-hmm. various services, we've we've started to move that way. But all of our clients are on a flat monthly fee. So there's no mm-hmm. surprise to them. They know exactly what they're paying. They know exactly what they're getting. Um, they don't mm-hmm. get any surprise bills or anything like that at the end of the year or at the end of the month. And so that's mm-hmm. one thing that's big. Uh, but the value pricing piece is something we've slowly been trying to implement, especially when we're when we're talking about these high-end tax strategies. Um, mm. If we're saving a client half of their tax bill, you know, that might be worth a higher fee for the work that we're completing with them, even though mm. it might not have been a whole ton of work. But we've put in the work ahead of time in training, in understanding a strategy that Sometimes it's hard to understand that value piece because to mm. us it might seem easy. It might seem quick. But we, f- we oftentimes forget all of the training, all of the education, all the things that we did to put into learning that strategy for it mm. to become easy to us.
0: Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. And there was a couple of other things, you know, before we were talking about the commonly misunderstood issues. Another one that um you mentioned was that workers you know, can be independent uh, contractors.
1: Yeah, and that's that's one thing that's kind of key to the US is that a lot of uh a lot of small business owners have a worker that, that comes in and, and there's a big thing between employee or independent contractor. In a lot of businesses, mm-hmm. small businesses, especially those that are just starting out put everyone as an independent contractor because it's super easy. It's super simple Mm. to do. They don't have to withhold taxes. They don't have to do any of that kind of hard labor. Um, Mm. But what they don't understand is that can actually come back to bite them in the end because if they are an employee but they're treated as an independent contractor, there could be a lot of back taxes, penalties, fees, things that need to be – that are going to come back to bite them because things weren't done correctly in the beginning. And that's, mm. you know, again, what we say is do th- when you're setting up a company, when you're, when you're first starting a business, no one knows where their business is going to go. You know, the mm. people that have multi-billion dollar businesses, they, don't, they didn't know from the beginning that they were going to be that big. But mm. setting up things correctly from the start will help you get to that growth. And you know what? If things don't work out, at least you can say, we did things the right way. And so, mm. you know, that, that whole idea is When you're starting a business, when you're getting into it, ensure that you're setting things up properly from the beginning because that's going to help grow your company. Where you're going to end up, it's going to have an impact. Um, If Mm -hmm. you have independent contractors for the first 10 years of your business and now you're super successful and you find out, whoops, they should all be employees, that could take you down your business in a day. And so Mm -hmm. it's planning ahead, um, you know, even though you don't know how successful your business is, where it's going to go, what it's going to become, do things the right way out of the beginning so that when that massive success comes, you're not stepping back and trying to fix some of the things that were done incorrectly in the
0: past. Wasn't there um, a story in the news recently about, um, I think it was to do with Uber, and there's some change in the tax laws in the States and the way that Uber works?
1: Yeah, so I think that that was... Um, there was a case out in California, and that was a lot on this independent contractor employees. And I haven't followed the case too deeply, uh, but my mm-hmm. understanding of it is that Uber was doing this doing something very similar. All their drivers were considered independent contractors, not employees of them. And I think mm-hmm. California was coming down and trying to mandate that these people are actually employees. They're not independent contractors. And I don't know what the official ruling or result was. But I believe it was around that idea of independent contractor versus employee. And that's a great example. Um, mm. you know, And I'm sure they've kind of re- spent a lot of research into this in the beginning. Um, but that's mm. an example of a company that, you know, that's a lot. If, if they have to change into employees, that's a major shift for them. That's a major project because mm. they have, they're so robust. They're such a big company now. They have so many workers for them that that's going to be a major change for them.
0: And is there any likelihood that other um, states will introduce the same thing? Yeah, I would imagine. Again, I'm not too
1: familiar with the case, and I don't know if it is something that is going to be uh, nationwide. My guess is that Uber as a company would probably make a distinguish, you know, go one way or the other. So if, if California comes out and says all your drivers need to be employees and that was just California, my guess is that Uber would make that determination across every every state. Um, just for mm. the fact being that if other states see, oh, Cal- it worked in California and we can get some extra tax dollars in our state, the states will mm. likely, over time, end up all requiring the same thing. Um, so, yeah, I, I envision that they would probably implement that across across company-wide.
0: Mm. What, what are your general thoughts on exceeding expectations, Mike? It's...
1: It's looking over and above. So, so taking, you know, expect, expectations are tough because everyone, you know, the first thing I, I believe you have to do is understand what the expectations are um, hmm. and, and lay them out for clients. A lot of, you know, when we, when we bring on a client, um, every client's expectations are different. And our goal hmm. is to just get a general understanding of what is an expectation a client has And I think you can't necessarily exceed an expectation until you know what the expectation is. And Mm. so we we spent a lot of time looking at the various markets that we work with, the various clients that we're dealing with, and said, okay, what are their expectations? What are other people doing? What is the, you know, 95% of the businesses that are looking at accountants, what are their expectations from that accountant? And then we Mm. developed our services, our offerings, the way we communicate with clients behind that to do it better to find a new way to do it to not just follow what everybody else does but do it in a way that people are going to be like wow i wish i would have found you years ago and so it's going above and beyond taking what what everyone is 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 what everyone is used to and giving them something that adds so much more value than just what what they are expecting
0: if people want to find out more about you and, and your company, where, where would they go to? Yes,
1: yeah, so you can find you know our information pretty much on you know, any social media platform. Our company name is called Jetro, um, J-E-T-R-O. Uh, my name is Mike Jezoshek, so you can find the combination of those across all social media platforms and, and, and various things like that, or they can go directly to our website. So it's, it's www.jetrotax.com, and that's J-E-T-R-O. T-A-X
0: dot com. Okay. And, and before we go, I know there's a, a quotation that you quite liked.
1: Yeah. You know, one, one, of, the, one of the quotes that I have is, is the road to success and the road to failure are almost exactly the same. And, you know, uh, we really bring that to heart. In the various ventures that we've been in, there's been a lot of successes and there's been a lot of failures. And that, that quote lives out to breathe. It's, they look a lot alike. And the biggest thing is, is sometimes breakthroughs. And so, you know, kind of another idea behind that is that breakthroughs come when you're not expecting them. And so those breakthroughs can be the difference between a massive failure and an, and an incredible success. And so that all it takes is one breakthrough to make that change, to shift your focus, to shift your business. And those roads before that breakthrough of a successful business and a failing business – Look very similar.
0: Mm. Very profound. Well, Mike, it's been um, it's been a pleasure chatting with you, and uh, best of luck for the future with uh, for you and your company. Excellent.
1: I, I really appreciate you having me
0: on. It, it's been a great time. Thank you, Mike. Thank you. Next week is episode fifty nine with Dr. Jackie Taylor. Jeez, if you've ever been wanting to know maybe more about security online, she created a foundation called the Cyber Smart Entrepreneur Success Path. And she's done a lot of work with the World Economic Forum and many other um, well governments around the world as well. So we're going to find out a lot more about cyber security in next week's episode with Dr. Jackie Taylor. Hope, you, hope you've enjoyed this week's show. Have a fantastic week and see you next week.